Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss anything just outside the norm. This is your host for tonight, Eric. And Sean. And tonight we are going to be discussing ancient mysteries. That's right. This is our first recording of the new year. Yeah, thanks to everybody's, all, all our listeners' support. Um, this podcast has really taken off, getting off to a roaring start. All right, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of ancient mysteries. If you've listened to a, some of our episodes, you know that we're a pretty big fan of anything unsolved or unusual, even more so if it's ancient, because that means that this has been puzzling people for centuries. So yeah, we have two pretty interesting ancient mysteries, and Eric has our first one today, so take it away. Yeah, so my ancient mystery is something you all may have heard of. It's the ever-burning lamps, and this is a mystery of science and history. And basically, these are lights that have been found in caves and tombs, inexplicably burning for centuries without any noticeable source of fuel. To give you a little background, this is a strange phenomenon that has been recorded at multiple different locations in the world at multiple different times before Christ and even A.D. Um, areas including India, China, North America, Egypt, Italy, Ireland, uh, many other countries. So, Earlier accounts um, about these ever-burning lamps from one such account from Plutarch in his writings De Defecto Oraculorum, describe a lamp that burned over the door of the Temple of Jupiter Ammon in Egypt. The priests of the Temple of Jupiter believed that the lamp stood in the open air, and neither winds nor rain put it out. St. Augustine described an Egyptian temple dedicated to the goddess Venus, which contained a lamp which could not be extinguished. He declared it to be the work of the devil. It has also been described in the medieval ages documented by over 170 medieval authors. In the 1500s, during the papacy of Paul III, a burning lamp was found in a tomb thought to belong to Tuliola, the daughter of Cicero, on the Appian Way at Rome. She died in 44 BC. The lamp that had burned in the sealed vault for 1,550 years was extinguished when it was exposed to air for the first time. Now, I'm trying to wrap my head around that i mean did they open the vault and then like see this flame but then it immediately went out or did it still burn for a little bit afterwards or was it like almost put out immediately um so i'll get into that a little bit later but basically they they opened the door and it burnt it continues to burn for a few more seconds and as soon as kind of i don't want to give anything away but right. as soon as air gets into the um vault it basically okay. dissipates all right so there have been more recent findings of these ever-burning lamps around the time of Henry VIII. As he was breaking away from the Catholic Church in the 16th century, he mandated the destruction of many of the Catholic monasteries at the time, one of which contained an ever-burning lamp that was subsequently destroyed. Some believe the ancient Egyptians were the first to come up with this ingenious design for use in their tombs. This creation stemmed from the necessity to guide the dead to the underworld and also to keep evil spirits away and it also served as kind of a tribute to the god of the underworld right um also i wanted to point out that there's if you believe in all these manuscripts and documents there's really very little doubt that these lights actually actually exist aside from the lack of physical evidence that we have today um just given that there's so many 
documentations of this these lamps, right. and they come from all over the world and at various different time periods. Yeah, I was going to say, you have these ranging from what, ancient Egypt, Greece, the medieval ages, all these different accounts pretty much saying the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of too much of a coincidence. Right. Well, if there's only like one or two sources, you know, exactly, there could be more doubt, but just because there are multiple recordings from different periods of time and different nations um, kind of adds a little bit more credence to it. Exactly. So the only question is, how is it possible? So there are a few ancient explanations. Um, and I can see how in ancient times, when there was a lack of scientific knowledge that we have today, people could try to justify these strange phenomenon as being works of God or the devil. And a lot of pagan priests at the time were blamed for these seemingly magic phenomenon. Um, Sean, I want to ask you what you would think if you opened a tomb that you had reliably confirmed hadn't been opened in centuries and found one of these light burnings, what would you think? I mean, I would almost think it was some kind of miracle or something going on. Yeah. Um, either, either something supernatural or as for this, yeah, I'm, that is definitely strange. It would, it would freak me out. Yeah. It, I probably wouldn't even notice it at first. And then, cause we're so, you know. We've been exposed to video games and, yeah. and movies and stuff. Yeah, I'd almost think since it, it did, if it goes out in a few seconds, if you would just think that, like, that that can't be right. It must have just been a trick of the mind. Yeah. So a, a lot of these candles have obviously been destroyed by people who thought they were magic and were afraid of it. And I guess if I hadn't been born in the 20th century, my natural tendencies would probably lead to try and explain something like this in the only way that's natural for me and that it's attributed to god or the devil or magic yeah, some kind of yeah definitely yeah if you saw this kind of lamp and you were any time before the 19th century or before you definitely think it was some kind of miracle or magic or just some kind of you just can't explain it yeah yeah exactly the only reference they have is just either torches or other candles they don't have these kind of lamps that just burn without any you know really source of fuel or anything exactly i mean that's all they had back then was just like fire yeah and they all know Everybody knows that fire needs a fuel source and some sort of combustible material. So not to keep everybody in suspense, I wanted to get into some scientific explanations, some possible um, explanations. So one one idea is that, and I think this one's personally a little bit more unlikely, but that early civilizations had somehow discovered, or not discovered, but harnessed the powers of electricity. That was really pretty interesting. To, I didn't even occur to me yet that they could somehow maybe almost accidentally stumble their way upon using or harnessing electricity. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot about, about this ancient civilizations having electricity um, from TV shows like Ancient Aliens and stuff like that. But a Hebrew writer by the name of Eliphas Levi writes in his book History de la Magii of a French rabbi, Jeshiel, who is an advisor in the 13th century court of Louis IX. And Jeshiel was kind of a scientist, I guess, for his time. And he possessed a lamp that he would proudly um, show off on, on the front of his house. And it didn't have a wick and it didn't have any oil. And when he was questioned about the power of this strange device, he would reply that it was a secret. And he had some other scientific inventions as well, including a discharge button that if anybody touched the iron knocker on the front of his house, it would send an electric shock through and kind of electrocute the person. Yeah, it definitely kind of, sounds like he is a, a man ahead of his time or something, like whether he actually understood what he was doing or just found out that, you know, if I do this, this works. Right. 
Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so definitely an interesting guy and an interesting theory. Some thought that Numa Pompilius, who was the legendary second king of Rome, was able to speak to the gods and that he used electricity to create an ever-burning light that burned in honor to some elemental being that they were worshipping at the time. Along with this theory, it's said that his successor, Tullus Hostilius, was killed in a failed experiment trying to harness the power of lightning. Well, yeah, it's kind of like this Numa, who's the king, either figured out how to do something or had people in his working underneath him who at least understood enough about electricity to rig up some kind of one of these burning lamps. Right. And whether he killed these scientists off or his successor just didn't know about it and try to rig up something of his own and ended up dying. That's, I mean, that's kind of the, uh, the type of experiments that you kind of hear at the beginning of the 1900s, all these guys that are, you know, discovering all these new uses of electricity and chemistry without understanding it. They're just trying like trial by error. And sometimes the error costs you your life, so I think that's what happens here. <laughs> um, so one of the holes with this theory is that a lot of the reports indicate that the lights were extinguished when exposed to air or upon opening of the, the tombs they were enclosed in. Um, so obviously if it was some sort of flashlight that used electricity, this wouldn't probably would not occur. Sure. Um, so one of the most logical explanations I've come across um, to me, was discovered in the 18th century by Jean-Félix Picard, who was a French astronomer. And he made a remarkable discovery while carrying a mercury barometer. And the discovery was that the empty space inside the barometer, when the mercury jostled, it would emit kind of this dull light. So Vasily Petrov, in the 19th century, describes what's known as the electrical arc phenomenon, which is simply where electrical breakdown of a gas results in a current being produced through normally non-conductive media, for example, air. So to kind of conceptualize this, I think of a Tesla coil when you see, you know, yeah. jolts of electricity shooting through the air. That's basically what's going on here, except it's between two electrodes. Okay. So I'm sure some of y'all have, have seen that sort of thing. And this discovery led to the invention of the mercury vapor lamp, which is a high-intensity discharge lamp, and it uses one of these arcs through vaporized mercury in a high-pressure tube to create a very bright light directly from its own arc. So the mercury vapor lamp works by creating an electric current to mercury vapor within a sealed glass tube. Definitely sounds more plausible, I think, than the harnessing electricity, just because there is the element of air extinguishes it or supposedly yeah. it definitely kind of sounds more something chemistry based than electric based it definitely seems to fit a lot more of the accounts there some of the other accounts i was reading about indicate a, a silvery substance right that was dripping on the ground or and stuff like that that kind of points towards it being something like mercury so there's some recent support for this theory again like sean was just talking about you know the reports say that when tombs were open, the flames would be extinguished. And this would make sense if built-up mercury vapor, which is basically an aerosolized, odorless, and invisible gas, builds up inside the tomb, and then it's suddenly released after centuries of being undisturbed. So most people are familiar with superstitious stories of tomb raiders and explorers becoming acutely sick upon entering ancient tombs, for example... Egyptian tombs. 
and this belief was often attributed to evil spirits or curses being laid upon the tombs to protect the mummies. However, a more scientific explanation would attribute this to inhalation of these toxic gases that were being used to light the ever-burning lamps. It definitely makes a lot more sense than, you know, evil spirits or something. If there yeah. was some kind of contraption built up and it was releasing this mercury vapor, which is definitely not good for humans, that uh, it would cause all these sicknesses for Tomb Raiders and all that. Yeah, and the evil spirits definitely sounds cooler, but yeah, like you said, it doesn't make very much sense. So somewhere along the lines, all of these explorers developed the habit of drilling two holes in the doors of these tombs. And this would release the evil spirits, or rather the noxious fumes, so that they could enter. And interestingly, it is actually pretty recent that this was discovered, but they found some liquid mercury at three different archaeological sites in Mexico. And Teohitucan is an ancient city um, in Mexico that spanned 14 square miles and was populated by nearly 100,000 people. And in this city, basically, they found kind of vats or lakes of yeah. liquid mercury wow. hidden underneath of the pyramids. Yeah. So there's really not any explanation what the purpose of this mercury was but i mean if you can imagine ancient people discovering mercury you know they would think it's a silvery river that is somehow led to the underworld yeah but it could have also been a fuel source for these ever-burning lights yeah i was gonna say i mean mercury just the way it's kind of you know mirror metallic i mean it, it looks pretty cool but i mean it looks different than most other liquids so it's almost like if these ancient people saw this or has some kind of liquid mercury, they definitely think it's some kind of possibly supernatural or, you know, God-given liquid or something, so they can try to build these lamps out of them. I could, I mean, it's plausible. I could definitely see something along those lines. Yeah. So, of course, this raises the question, if we didn't discover the mercury vapor lamp until the 19th or 20th century, how did these ancient civilizations come across this kind of scientific discovery? Yeah, that's the that's the big question there. I mean, obviously, a lot of times when you think of these ancient civilizations, you think of, you know, barbarians or something. But, I mean, some of these empires that were around for hundreds or thousands of years that were pretty advanced in some areas. And, like I said before, they might not have understood the mechanics behind the chemistry, but just through trial and error or just guys experimenting with different stuff somehow stumbled across this peculiar element of some kind of uh, different chemicals that produces some light that burns for a long time. Right. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, the ancient Mayans were definitely far more sophisticated than a lot of ancient civilizations. And like you said, they might not have known the actual chemistry of what's going on, but through trial and error, perhaps they somehow came across that sort of invention. But yeah, this reminds me a lot of both Damascus steel and Greek fire, where you have these, you know, Damascus steel was this very unusual way of making metal. And it's, you know, very, if you look at a picture of it, you know, you can tell Damascus steel right away, how these always ripples and had all these, um, kind of elements to it that were made it different from, you know, swords or other metals that were forged other places. To this day, we still don't know exactly how they knew about this process or exactly how they carried it out. And the same thing with Greek fire. The ancient Greeks had this 
fire bombs that they would use in Navy and it would burn on everything, even water, and how they were able to figure this out where no one else could. And I mean, the closest we have is probably like napalm, but we still don't know exactly what they use or, I mean, some of these, you know, ancient nations had these, these secrets and they pretty much took them to the grave with them. Exactly. But you're, you're saying these, these nations had their own secrets and like you said, they keep, they took them to the grave with them. So they didn't share it. But this, these ever burning lamps are found all over the world. I think some people would be interested in the theory that possibly some sort of ancient alien civilization gifted this knowledge to the human race. Yeah. And of course, there's not a lot of evidence to support that sort of theory. I mean, same thing with like, you know, people say the aliens build the pyramids and exactly. I mean, that's kind of fun to think about, but I, I kind of like to give humans credit and I believe in the creativity and the fact that a human mind can come up with all these different experiments. I, I think that rather than some kind of alien theory or whatever, I think whatever it is, whether these things were chemistry, electrical, I, I definitely think it's a human element that they, several groups of people somehow discovered that, and you know, maybe I said maybe the ancient Egypts had it, and then when that empire collapsed, it was missing, and then a couple hundred years later, halfway around the world, another group somehow stumbled across it, and that's why you have all these different accounts from different time periods. Instead of it being, like, you know, universal, it was just small different groups, one at a time, um, figuring out this kind of unusual little chemistry trick, or whatever it happens to be. So that pretty much concludes my ancient mystery. Not a lot of plausible scientific explanations out there. There's definitely a bunch of holes in in the explanations that do exist, but for now it remains a mystery, at least until we find one in the modern day. And now to you, Sean, let's hear about your ancient mystery. All right, so my mystery is going to be about the Bronze Age collapse. So you may remember from your world history classes that the Bronze Age began around the year 3000 BC, in which the highest civilizations at the time learned how to smelt copper. And this was a huge advancement over the previous stone or crude metals that were used previously. But this new technology, civilization reached a, a high point that had not yet occurred, bringing in an age where now many cultures began new practices such as year-round agriculture, developing writing systems, creating a centralized government, law codes, organized warfare, basically all these things that are just building up society to be larger and larger, basically being able to create empires, which was not possible beforehand. Um, societies in the region laid the foundations for astronomy and mathematics to be discovered later on. However, despite all these advancements for these civilizations, they would soon all go to waste, and that is what I will be discussing now. So the late Bronze Age collapse was a period in ancient history in which all the high civilizations of the Aegean region, southwestern Asia, and eastern Mediterranean suddenly collapsed forever. So historians believe that this transition was violent, sudden, and culturally disruptive. This collapse is believed to have taken place in a roughly 50-year span around the year 1200 BC. Among these fallen civilizations include the Mycenaean kingdoms, the Hittite Empire, and the New Kingdom of Egypt, who all suffered a cultural collapse from which they would never recover. Despite this massive, almost apocalyptic event, what exactly caused this tremendous collapse is still unknown to this day. I know you talked about um, us maybe remembering from our history classes, but I think the only reason a lot of these names sound familiar to me before researching this episode was because of the game Age of Empires. No, that's true. I just got to throw that out there. No, yeah. A lot of my you know, history of ancient and medieval empires come from video games too, so that's, it, that's not fair. In that sense, though, I'm very familiar with the Bronze Age. Right, but okay. continue. 
The decline of the late Bronze Age civilizations has puzzled historians and archaeologists for pretty much centuries. Within a matter of several decades, nearly every single significant city in the eastern Mediterranean world was destroyed, many of them completely ruined and never to be occupied again. After this great collapse, the whole region was greatly depopulated, whole languages and alphabets were lost forever, and trading that spanned the entire Mediterranean area pretty much completely ceased, and the former culture styles of the Bronze Age was completely changed. This is pretty devastating for historians. I can imagine every time I delete a, a picture off my phone, I feel like a little piece of me has died. But yeah. this is this is entire civilizations and all their history being yeah, destroyed. Yeah, just suddenly within, within a few decades, just poof, and they're gone. So noted historian Robert Drews has famously stated that it was the worst disaster in ancient history, even more calamitous than the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. So that's what a lot of people today probably think that one of the worst things in history was the collapse of the Roman Empire and the, the Dark Ages that follow. But really, this the Bronze Age collapse, that it takes the cake. To put this into perspective in the modern world, if this similar kind of event were to happen to us, basically it would mean within a few decades, all the top superpowers of the world, along with their major cities, would just be completely destroyed and their civilizations dismantled. So we're talking, you know, America, most of Europe, Russia, China, Brazil, Australia, all these guys just gone forever. So kind of like what you see happening in the movies, the kind of thing we take for granted every single day and yeah. think could never, ever happen. Exactly. And if you would like to hear what could potentially cause this kind of situation, you can listen to one of our previous episodes where we just discussed uh, a bunch of apocalyptic events. So as far as the evidence of destruction, archaeologists have been studying the locations of the major cities and settlements of the late Bronze Age for decades, trying to find any sort of clue as to what causes collapse. Many of the dig sites show what is called a destruction layer, which is a layer in the soil that shows evidence of some kind of destruction, either the presence of widespread fire, mass murder, unburied corpses, and other signs of evidence that occurred either by natural causes or as a result of military action. Historians know that in the regions of most of these major nations, civilization did not recover to the previous level for at least another thousand years, the era of which is usually referred to as the Greek Dark Ages. So basically you have this, the Bronze Age civilization reaches a height. Within a few decades, it just, everything comes crashing down and it just sends the world back into a Dark Ages that takes almost a millennium to recover from. All right, so that is basically what happened in the Bronze Age Collapse. Now I'm going to be discussing some of the theories that people thought of could have caused it. One of the major ones is environmental. So there are several different environmental causes that could have brought about this Bronze Age Collapse. A sharp decline in the global temperature could have had a huge effect, as this kind of event has happened several times in recorded history, such as the Little Ice Age during the medieval times. Um, the triggers for climate change are still debated, but ancient peoples would have had no way to predict it and no way to actually cope and survive these climate changes. So a volcanic eruption could have caused this drop in temperature and is also theorized to have caused an environmental change that had a drastic and destructive effect on the civilizations at the time. It is possible that a massive eruption happened at Helka, a stratovolcano in southern Iceland, which erupted around this time and might have caused the collapse. So this eruption was so powerful it is predicted that it lowered the worldwide temperature to drop for almost two decades. Some Egyptologists claim that this eruption caused severe famines during the rule of Ramses III and attributed to the fall of the new kingdom of Egypt, the peak of the Egyptian empire. So we once again, we cover similar effects in our apocalyptic episode, talking about supervolcanoes. And this is basically 
this wasn't a super volcano, but it was still a strong enough volcanic eruption to just completely change the climate of Europe for decades to come. And I definitely encourage you guys to check out the apocalyptic episode. But one of the things we discuss in there is that dropping the temperature all over the globe by just a couple degrees can throw the environment crops everything just into a tailspin and exactly throw, and basically destroy civilization yeah definitely so one of the last environmental theory i'm going to talk about is droughts so there was evidence found in several areas around the mediterranean sea that show that there was a severe drought around the start of the collapse and many historians believe that this is the main reason for the collapse these massive droughts would have led to a drastic effect on many of the coastal cities and settlements and led to many socioeconomic problems which would have forced a lot of these mighty civilizations to go to war with each other just to fight over what few resources were left in their regions. All right, so that is the end of the environmental theories. What do you think about all those? I think it's interesting. All of these environmental theories have kind of the same end effect, and that's humanity destroying itself. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it such a plausible explanation is because this is in our nature ultimately. Yeah. To when we feel that things are being taken away from us, we take them from other people. Right, and once again, there's if there was environmental, these people would have had no way to really save themselves. I mean, you think about if it was a modern world and some countries hit hard. You know, in the modern society, you have the whole world kind of response. You get relief planes flown in. Back in these ancient times, if you know a whole region suffered a drought or a volcano erupted, they were basically screwed. There's there just no way that they could either survive on what they have or make it out of the region in time before they just all fell apart. So the next theory is talking about a group of invaders. That is a possible reason why the Bronze Age collapse happened. Um, so basically, this theory states that a relentless group of invaders systematically took down nations and their major cities, similar to how the barbarian attacks helped contribute to the fall of the Western Roman Empire. Now, the main group of these invaders are what are known as the Sea Peoples, and they are a pretty big mystery themselves. These sea peoples became the terror of the Mediterranean Sea, invading the, a bunch of great civilizations at the time, such as Canaan, Syria, Cyprus, and even Egypt. And they were thought to be the main factor in the fall of the mighty kingdoms of the Hittite, Mycenaean, and Mitanni. So let me clarify, we're talking about pirates as opposed to Aquaman and the creature from the Black Lagoon. Right, right. right. Okay. exactly. Awesome. So Ramses III, who's the pharaoh of the Egyptian Empire at the time, wrote about the sea peoples, saying... I'm going to modify this quote a little bit. So the foreign countries, or sea peoples, made a conspiracy in their islands. All at once the lands were removed and scattered in the fray. No land could stand before their arms, many nations being destroyed at one time. They desolated its people, and its land was like that, which has never come into being. They were coming forward towards Egypt, while the flame was prepared before them. They laid their hands upon the land, as far as the circuit of the earth, their hearts confident and trusting, our plans will succeed. Now, for Ramses to say that, who was one of, if not the most powerful man in the world at the time, to speak so highly of these invaders just kind of gives a clue as to how bad these guys were and how serious of a threat they were. So basically, Ramses was kind of scared of these people, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, Ramses, I mean, the Sea Peoples invaded Egypt several times. I know Ramses was able to defeat them multiple times, but obviously they were able to lay waste to a few other empires that weren't quite so lucky or as powerful as Egypt at the time. 
So yeah, definitely to see people's look into their history and just what the they were able to do in a relatively short amount of time. They were definitely pretty good at warfare and pretty much laid waste to everyone that they came across. So another theory that is similar to invaders is basically just the way that warfare could have changed at the time. So it is a possibility that a revolutionary change in the way of warfare could have led to the collapse of all the high empires of the times. So around this time, new techniques were using massed infantry, and, which were wielding newly designed weapons. And this changed the way warfare was fought and completely unbalanced the powers of the elite. These new infantry units possessed stronger and better armor than before, and also carried improved spears, an early and new variation of the longsword, uh, basically a relatively small army of men carrying these new weapons and just possessing basic military discipline would have been more than a match for the chariots that were favored by the ruling classes. These armies of skirmishers and raiders could easily cut down the chariot armies of the empire's elite and establish the social classes of the time and bring about an abrupt collapse of the hierarchy of ruling nations. These invaders could then loot and burn the conquered cities at will, and this explains the large and sudden amounts of destroyed cities during the collapse. So basically you have these new armies were kind of the first standing mass infantry. Before that, if you read in the history of all these empires, you know, they were all about the chariots. That was kind of their their big weapon. And basically this new using of mass infantry with spears and military discipline pretty much rendered the chariots obsolete. So it seems like if, if this group of invaders kind of has this military discipline and expertise, they, they seem fairly sophisticated. So you would think that they would, I mean, take a lot of the technology and discoveries with them. I mean, you, you were describing the Bronze Age as kind of preceding an area or a period of time where there was a technological downturn. Am I correct? Preceding it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so after after the Bronze Age, basically, you know, technology stopped advancing. Exactly. Yeah. It, kind of went into, yeah, it was a decline. It was it took, like I said before, centuries before the world got back to where the Bronze Age was at the time. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like if if this was the theory, then this particular group of invaders would establish a kingdom. Yeah, you would think so. I would think so. I mean, uh, this doesn't seem to be a, a, as likely of an explanation to me as as the environmental aspect or. If there was some armies that were overthrowing the elite classes of the time and destroying their chariot armies, that they themselves would form some kind of empire. It kind of seems unlikely that were dozens of smaller armies that suddenly decided to overthrow the governments at the time. So I I can see your point there. Um, So there's plenty of evidence now showing how all these different factors could have attributed to the collapse of the Bronze Age. However, there's still much debate over what caused what specifically had the biggest effect. To this day, many historians are arguing and trying to nail down exactly what caused the collapse of all these different empires and civilizations at nearly the same time. So was it environmental, invasions, warfare, economic collapse? Well, instead of focusing on just one of these causes, maybe we can we should consider the fact that somehow all the ill effects happened at the exact same time. So that brings me to my last theory. Basically, it's stated by Professor Eric H. Klein who was a former department chair at George Washington University, and he wrote a book about the collapse of the civilizations, describing a so-called perfect storm as his main thesis on what caused a collapse. So basically this perfect storm was made up of a series of disasters and events that continually caused destruction. 
There is both direct and circumstantial evidence that there was climate change, drought, famine, earthquakes, invasions, internal rebellions, all occurring roughly at the same time. So instead of just one of these causes being the reason for the collapse, this theory states that all the before described events that I said happened at the same time and caused the collapse of the Bronze Age. Even ancient human civilizations have shown resilience at surviving such catastrophes when they happen individually, such as rebuilding a city after an earthquake or invasion, or surviving through a long drought, but this theory basically says if they were all to occur at once and quick succession, basically they were screwed. You have earthquake, volcanoes, droughts, all these environmental stuff going on at the same time, and then you also have these massive group of invaders coming in, peasant rebellions, war between the states, and Basically, the world was just in a blender within a few decades. Everyone just tore each other apart and just pretty much just collapsed. Yeah, I think it, it's it's kind of a interesting concept. I mean, modern the modern world today can we can barely survive living on this planet with each other. And if you look at some of the big disasters that make the news these days, like stuff like I don't know Hurricane Katrina, um, the earthquake in haiti and the earthquake in the philippines stuff like that yeah. and not to minimize that at all but it just seems to be on a smaller scale than yeah. some of these super volcanoes and stuff that are occurring around this time period so i think it's definitely definitely an unlucky time period to be living in yeah it kind of makes me wonder if as you said talking about the modern world if we in this century could survive such a repeat of this type of event. So you know, if you have a few tsunamis around Asia or earthquakes, uh, some, a volcanic eruption happening at the same time that, you know, maybe World War III breaks out and basically all this stuff, bad stuff happens at the exact same time, could we survive it? Or would you see the collapse of the, you know, so-called empires of today, like, you know, America, European countries, uh, China, Japan, would they be able to survive this or would it just be a repeat would we fall into yet another dark age? Yeah, I think we would definitely go into a dark age. I mean, I think our infrastructure and, you know, the electrical, the power grid and stuff like this, it's all kind of fragile, honestly. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of things that could destroy it and send us back to the to the Stone Ages, basically. Yeah, and I think it almost where the modern man is almost too comfortable back then the majority of the people were fighting for survival basically every day. They didn't have things easy. They probably thought they could die at any time, so they had to, you know, adapt and survive. And today, you know, just think, if you're listening to this episode and all of a sudden the power shuts off, you know, what are you going to do? You don't know what's going on. You can't get your information. Uh, your computer's not working. Your phone's not working. You know, can't heat, up be, a, can't heat up a hot pocket? No, no, that'd be the worst. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> what I are just, you going to do? I mean, it would just be awful. I think you probably have, I don't know, maybe even a higher percentage of people dying here. Oh, absolutely. Pe people don't know how to survive without their, their modern... Yeah, especially because with huge cities now, Right. if you isolate a city, you know, New York City, all of a sudden there's no more food going into it. You have millions of people in there that could potentially starve because they're just there's not enough resources. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see if some kind of similar event happened in the modern world, it could be just as devastating for us as it was for the nations of the Bronze Age collapse. Right. And we could definitely, you know, very easily go back into the Stone Age. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, the vast majority of America would have no idea how to get the power grid 
back on board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, every, every, once again, same thing with when I was reading about these nations that they had so much specialization. Where the same thing, if you wipe out a, a group of people who know about electricity, for example, what's going to happen? The modern person doesn't know how to work in an electrical plant. Or, yeah, yeah. So basically, what we've set in process is being maintained by people and i mean all all of the people are working together and doing their share and providing for other people in their own way um but if if a huge chunk of the population died as a result of one of these events it could it could totally send us back exactly and that's why this bronze age collapses it's been one of the most interesting ancient mysteries in my opinion for a long time just because it, it is such a massive destruction of all these high civilizations and i mean it's a shame that we just we don't know what happened we have clues we theory has pros and cons but it's just i don't know if we'll ever know for sure what happened but it's definitely in my opinion one of the most interesting periods of history just having this high point and then the sudden collapse very interesting ancient mystery we've got there so thanks for listening to our episode of the strange matters podcast ancient mysteries I want to thank everyone who has sent in suggestions so far. We got a lot of good ideas to work with and kind of taken aback about how, I guess, popular we are so far. We kind of just started this project a month ago, not really thinking, you know, just kind of a hobby, but, you know, we've had a lot of good feedback, a lot of downloads, and just want to thank everyone who's supported and listened to us so far. If you would like to reach us to send feedback, suggestions, or further discussion of this episode's topics, please reach us at strange matters podcast at gmail.com or reach us on our facebook page and if you're listening to us on itunes please rate us and leave us a review it helps promote the podcast and helps us reach more listeners thanks for listening guys take it easy